Welcome to Church Unscripted this week. If you haven't heard it yet, we are on all podcasting platforms for this season. We're really excited about that. And uh, today, if you can, hit the notification bell so you hear about the next episode. You can subscribe on YouTube or subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Um, But I've got uh, Pastor Eric and Pastor David with me. um, And I'm just going to throw this out here. I want you to summarize the sermon, Eric, but maybe we can just talk about the elephant in the room a little bit. We're three guys, and, and part of the sermon was talking about submission to your husbands. And I mean, I feel like that's a little bit awkward discussion with three men sitting here, right? Isn't so, it? so we either avoid that part of it or we just enter it with trepidation. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I'm okay. afraid for the future. Like my political aspirations are done after this conversation. I don't know what well, we're gonna say, but you know. I, I didn't know you had political aspirations. That's- um, I, I'm just being, yeah, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, mm. yeah. Give us the button. So so what, summarize uh, what you yeah, talked yeah, about so, Sunday. I, I really appreciated your introduction into that topic. I think that really- summarized how it's really a topic for all of us. It sure is, yeah. Because cause, cause whether it's the husband um, taking care and protecting, providing for the wife or the wife helping and submitting to the husband, as, as we'll talk about in just a little bit, there's a foundational aspect of humility that both have to have if it's going to work yes. out well. And so that's why I started off with really the attitude of Christ, um, where the Bible says, um, your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ, who even though he was the same as God, he did not use that to his own advantage, but he humbled himself and became obedient even to death on a cross. And so really it's the attitude of, I'm willing to sacrifice of myself, surrender of myself for the sake of the other person. Uh, even point of death. And I'm not asking us to die for each other physically. I mean, if, if that would ever mm-hmm. come, if that would ever make itself a, an unfortunate opportunity. I'm hoping I would do that for my wife and my kids. Um, but I think it's more often talking about how are we sacrificing of our time, sacrificing of our energy, sacrificing of our resource for the sake of the betterment of the other person. So it really began with a foundation of humility. Um, and then, then we went into the husband and wife passage where it talks about wives submit to your husbands asked to the Lord. Um, and then um, the author likened that to Sarah who called Abraham, this is way in your Old Testament, yeah. called Abraham Lord and obeyed him, which is a really hard thing for women to hear in our day and age. But the end of that passage, only one verse, verse seven of that passage was about husbands. Um, and it says, be considerate around your wives, for your wives mm-hmm. as the weaker vessel. Um, so that your prayers are not hindered. And I'm hoping we'll talk about that in a little bit today because I got a lot of comments about what does it mean for our prayers as husbands to be hindered? Um, oh, I thought you were talking about the weaker vessel comment. I mean, well, I mean uh, well, that was a whole nother- Let's talk about that. I got more reaction than anything. So, <laughs> But I tell you what, it was super fun to crash that cup on the stage. I'll, I got to find ways to do that more often. That's why we have the hammer. <laughs> not my iPad. No, not the iPad. We can do this too. It's coffee mug, but not my iPad. Yeah. So there actually still a, glass pieces all around us. Yeah. Isn't that what you're just we saying? can't walk so. barefoot in this room right now. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive in. So so this is a conversation that we enter, you use the word trepidation. I think I think it's important to understand how, what's biblical submission is. And you shared a definition on Sunday, I know. Um, but what is the, con- how does the concept of submission align with this this modern idea of equality and mutual respect in marriage? What is, what is where's the balance with that? That's a, that's a really good question. And I think it's unfortunate that our culture has created a, a distinction there as if humility and submission to each other is, is exclusive and different than um, 
than mutual respect towards each other. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and actually, they're two sides of the same coin. They go hand in hand with each other. The more humble I am before my spouse, the more mutually submissive we are to each other. Mm-hmm. The more mutually submissive we are to each other, the more willing we're gonna sacrifice for each other. So I really don't think you can have one without the other. The problem is our culture has tried to convince us that you can only have one at the expense of the other. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's unfortunate. I think that's part of the reason why marriages are, are struggling so much today because we're not seeing that connection. I mean, do you, do you see how they could possibly be disconnected from each other? Well, I think, no, I don't, I, I mean, I see that in our culture, but I, I think one of the things that is important is that, like you said, we have to be submissive, submissive to each other. And in our culture, a lot of humility is considered weakness. And so I think that creeps mm-hmm. into our marriages. And especially as men, we say, well, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna hold my position because that's what mm-hmm. men do. And we don't actually love our wives in the way that we're supposed to love them because if we do, we're seen as weak. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think there is that, that challenge between culture and scripture there in that relationship for sure. It's, it's almost like the, the ideal wife coming from a man's point of view in our culture is that they are a submissive woman, but not in the context of what the Bible suggests, right. but more submissive as in, sure, you can make all the decisions and I'll always um, agree with what you say and I'm not a confident woman. And I think, I think there's, a, there's a population of men in our culture that want that because they don't want to be challenged. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of submissiveness, which is not biblical, feeds into their, mm-hmm. their really their arrogance and their insecurity of I have to be right. Yeah. Um, well, they're looking for yes wives functionally. That, that's like, a good like, way to put like it. Any, any environment, whether it's business or otherwise, when you have yes people around you, yeah. it's going to lead to a, a terrible end. And so there's a couple of things that you guys were mentioning I was thinking about was one, I think in our culture, um, men are mocked by each other. Like you're a wuss, you know, you just did what your wife said you should do. Yeah. You know, I've heard those comments. They've been said to me even um, in my lifetime. And so uh, there's that. And then also you brought up humility mm-hmm. and Jesus and our culture. I think what most people don't realize is before Jesus, humility was actually a negative word. Like when you go back in like Greek and Hebrew, mm-hmm. when they mentioned humility, it was like, not a, a badge of honor and pride was. Mm. And then Jesus came around and completely upset the fruit basket as far as what the mm. culture was thinking. And so we still continue to have that fight because, mm. you know, we say things like, aren't you proud of your kids? Aren't you proud of your husband and wife? And, and we say those things and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But in essence, when that pride is something that's keeping us from God and also keeping us from being humble before others, I think that's that can be a struggle yeah. there. So I, I think that's really important. And Eric, I really appreciate that we started with humility because I don't know mm. that you can broach the topic that we covered as the whole mm-hmm. without discussing humility. <laughs> um, so there's there's something that maybe we need to address the elephant in the room, and that is. Can, can you guys speak to the potential power dynamics and the abuse of authority mm-hmm. that might arise with the, this framework of wives being subject to their husbands? I mean, you touched on it in a second, mm-hmm. like guys feel insecure, so they don't want to be told no, but maybe we can get a little deeper in that. 
Well, I think this is the result of, of what our enemy has tried to do to the marriage context. Mm. And again, I think, I think the marriage is one of his greatest targets mm. because as I said this weekend, as the marriage goes, so goes the family, so goes the church, so goes society. So if he can upend mm-hmm. or maybe not destroy, but reverse roles yeah. of the husband and wife, he can do that. And so I think the feminist movement or at least modern um, extreme feminism um, has done a successful job of in since elevating the woman's role above the man's role and making mm-hmm. the woman uh, the one the man must submit to. And the man has now become passive. Mm-hmm. And there's too many examples in scriptures of men who are passive and really the destructive negative consequences of passive man. Now, I'm not saying that men need to overpower. Right. That's not the solution. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they need to be right all the time and need to rule with an iron fist. That's as destructive as anything else. Mm-hmm. But the difference between passivity is mm-hmm. servant leadership. And that's what Jesus showed us. Mm-hmm. And so he served the people that he was closest to. And I think he provides the best example of what a right relationship between a husband who is meant to be submitted to yeah. mm-hmm. is doing to earn that submission mm-hmm. by, servant, by servant leadership over his wife. And the yeah. wife seeing that leadership says, you know, I'm happy now mm-hmm. to entrust my care into, uh, into my husband's hands because he has proven mm-hmm. to be a servant leader to me. Now, there's been too many experiences where men have not done that. And so what other option do women have to say, well, I can't trust him with my life. I've got to take care of it myself. Mm. And that's a really hard place to be. Yeah. David, you got stuff to add? No, I that? think that's great. I think, you know, I was, as you were talking about Jesus's authority, I'm like, he had all authority in heaven. <laughs> like if anyone had mm-hmm. the ability to force submission, it was Jesus himself, but he gave all that up and came to earth and loved people, served people. He didn't have to heal people. He didn't have to walk the streets. He didn't, he didn't have to do anything. He could have just said, it's done or whatever, but he chose to be an example. And I think mm-hmm. as men, we have to look at Jesus and emulate that. That's the only way that, that we can find a place in our marriages where submission, where humility actually uh, kind of elevates each other. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So John, actually, I, I, I want to turn this back to you because you've got a history in social work. And so, uh, <laughs> just bring that up on the podcast. I, I Come think, on, I think fine. it's funny that I say social work and he laughs. It's <laughs> like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so, so you've got a history in, in social work. So you have worked very, very closely with, with several broken families. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have seen upfront, um, and personally, mm-hmm the results of a husband and wife relationship that was so broken that the husband and wife can't trust each other. They don't care about each other. There's mm-hmm. no mutual submission or respect whatsoever. And instead there's this, this nature of overpowering mm-hmm. and, and, um, and um, well, you, you see it's what destruction. Like. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so you see the results of that on their kids too. So what are some of the, the primary triggers in our culture that really compel a family to become broken like that and the marriage relationship to be upended? Well, I think, I think our society has devalued um, marriage in general um, to the point of if I'm not happy, I'm done. Happy is a very uh, loosely held term. Um, I think it matters about your background, um, but I would find in most of those relationships, um, there became uh, abusive authoritarian culture created. Um, I don't remember a broken home that didn't have a father that was either uh, violent 
or was abusive towards someone in that family. I mean, you don't you don't have broken marriages from nothing. There's scars that are caused. And some people go, well, they didn't really do anything. It was just, it didn't work out. I, I don't always buy that because I think sometimes words really hurt um, in a family setting. Um, I, I literally was going to pivot. So you just pivot back to me, but I was going to pivot to saying, you know, like, what does this look like practically in, in situations where you're not authoritarian? Like, how do you not be authoritarian mm-hmm. in your marriage? And in asking that question, I have the answer. I mean, I, when it comes down to it, I think we have a picture of masculinity from our culture that is two extremes. You mentioned one of them, the passive husband, mm-hmm. the, the married with children guy that sits on a couch and oogles at women all the time and wonders why his wife's always unsatisfied. So he's a womanizer. Yeah, so there's this passive whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the other side where it's a man that says, I'm going to take control of my home and my wife is mine to lead and whatever. I don't know what they would say because I don't want to get into it too much, but I just, <laughs> there's, there's these two extremes. Mm-hmm. And what we're not realizing is that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we're led by the spirit. Um, and I can tell you those moments where you're led by the spirit, especially as a man in the, in the home, um, the re- end result is so much greater, if that makes sense. So our culture says one of two things is one of the, one of each of those, but we also, um, something that is more social worky, I'll say social worky, it's not a word, but um, is your family system tends to dictate how you treat situations in marriage. So if you're, if you're someone that has come from generations of divorced parents, something in your family system is causing that. Like it's not something that just comes out of nowhere. Um, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's just like, what, what am I noticing? Why is there so much conflict and why is it not being resolved? Um, and I will tell you this, um, it may not be what you think because I know you asked that question thinking maybe it's authoritarian. I actually think it's avoidance. So the authoritarian father gets kicked out because the wife rejects him. Um, but then you also have um, men that slide into passivity and where they become authoritarian is in other aspects of their life. And that's when you see broken homes because they found another woman or something else happened. So you have almost two extremes. And really the middle is you're not leading as authoritarian. You're willing to humbly come to your wife and say, hey, I think I understand this. I don't know for sure. Let's talk about it. Um, I think the way this plays out is roles in marriage. There's assumptions. Some men say, I always do the finances. I always do this. I always do that. And the reality is, I think in marriage, division of, of who's doing what outside of the spiritual leadership of the home can vary because people have different talents and that's just what it is. So I, 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 I think the problem is, um, we sometimes get on autopilot to go full circle. And when we get on autopilot, we just go to the least common denominator, which says, I'm the man, I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. And that honestly makes every woman want to run for the hills because that's not- Or to take charge themselves. Or to take charge yeah. themselves. And, and so we have an upending involved. Well, so I want to kind of flip the script a little bit and say, not what are the triggers that, that create broken marriages where there's a reversal of the husband and wife, but what have you seen are some of the triggers of really, really strong marriages? Mm-hmm. Uh, people have been married 40 or 50 years and the husband is a servant leader um, and he is considerate of the wife, as scripture says, mm-hmm. uh, but the wife is also submissive to the husband. Mm-hmm. But yet as they both age, as I talked about this weekend, uh, both of their countenance mm-hmm. becomes brighter mm-hmm. where each person helps develop the other into more and more uh, the 
the potential of what God designed them to be. And so even though our bodies age, even though we get mm-hmm. older and less capable, just our countenance, our spirit gets stronger and stronger. And I think that's because of the, the, the healthy marriage relationship. So what are some of the triggers that you have seen that have created those kind of marriages in your life? And I see, I see people that actually talk to one another, that actually share what's going on in their heart. Um, they do have that mutual submission to one another. I can think of couples in our congregation. When you say that, I have I have couples coming to mind. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's funny, but it's like you know, those are the couples that I see him opening the door for her. I see her smiling back at him, saying thank you. Um, it's it's little things that I think compound over time, but that's just the mutual submission of of talking to one another caring for one another. I mean, scripture says here, this is an example for everyone, but you talked about it in Philippians too, count others more significant than yourself. And I think that mm-hmm. is the marker of a successful marriage is if you can look at a marriage and say like, man, that person cares more about their wife than they do themselves, or they care more about their husband than they do themselves. Uh, I think that's one of the key indicators of a successful marriage. I, I agree. And I, I think there's some little indicators like that, like you mentioned, things you can observe yeah. that really show just how proud they are of each other. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. tell as a couple ages together if they're proud of each other or not. And you mm-hmm. can fake it, I think, for a while, but the longer you get to know them, you can see behind the mm. veneer yeah. and see like, okay, there, there's a disconnect right there. Yeah. Man, when you, when you see that marriage couple where they're so proud of each other um, and they do things to mutually serve each other, uh, man, that's so attractive. Yeah. And that's the kind of people that every young couple who's newly married needs to tie themselves yeah. to. Yeah. And be like, how do you do this? Yeah. So I hate to end on a negative note with that, but this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. One of the things that you mentioned, I think is, is key throughout the relationship that mm-hmm. is something I look for in couples that maybe aren't that far ahead, you know, 50 years, maybe they're 20 years or 30 years, is watching them communicate well with each other right. and how they talk about each other. Um, this is like a known statistic, but basically there's two times that people tend to get divorced. It's in the first seven years, right? Or it's after the kids leave the home, whatever time that is. And so, but with the, the second one is the most disturbing to me because I start to realize like there were signs before that and how many marriages can we rescue in essence because we can look for those signs mm. that, hey, I, I hear how you're talking about your, your wife or your husband and I feel like there's more tension there. Maybe you guys should talk about that or, yeah. you know, there's- yeah, but there's, who, who has the guts to say that to a person? Only me, I guess. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, who, who has the courage to come up to you and be like, hey, David, yeah. I noticed that you really don't care about Katie very well. Yeah. looks like you got tension. What's going on? Yeah. That, that could be taken as extremely insensitive. So yeah. do I have the audacity of approaching you with a concern that may or may not be legitimate? I, I, you know? Well, in that context, yeah. It well, but like I mean, I think relationship is important there. Like, I mean, if, you, if we truly are going to operate like the body of Christ, we need to be able to... So Ask maybe maybe other. we're delving into something deeper. Well, Here's the yeah, deeper yeah, thing yeah. is, is do you have people in your life that could say that to you? Well, because that's the thing is like, I mean, we're, we're with each other all week. And Katie and I were actually talking about this last night of like, who do we have that like, if, if we're in a trouble spot in our marriage, I could be like, Eric, I'm not talking nice. I'm, I'm angry. Whatever's going on. 
do we have those people? And as a, even as a staff, as elders, like, are we that way to one another? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. It's that relationship, those people that you can, like, if, if you and I have relationship, you can say that to me out of love. And I can say, oh, yeah, it was a bad day. You saw me, you know, like things are actually really good or yeah, things are, things are really hard right now. And I think that's really important. And that's, that, go ahead. That's one, one thing that I think we've talked about through the series. Like one week you were talking about vulnerability. And I think the, the one thing that men tend to struggle with is that vulnerability. Yeah. So like I could see women talking to each other the way we just described and probably more frequently than men would, but you go to a man and say that, and they're going to struggle with it. So I think, I think the, the key part of that is though, we have to seek out those relationships. We can't just expect them to come to us. Like when David, when you said earlier, I thought of a few couples, like you have to seek those out. You can't just say, Oh, I thought of a few couples. Oh, great. I hope they approach me. Yeah, that right. That just doesn't happen. So, and I think I think I like where you're going with that because I don't think any of us, myself included, would have the guts. Nor I think would it be a sensitive, compassionate thing to do to come up and say, David, I really think you're screwing up with your wife. Uh, You might not like me for that. Yeah. So, but if I, on a regular basis through the relationship, say, Hey, tell me how things are going in your marriage. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you guys have been really busy lately. Is that carrying any kind of tension? And hopefully, it opens the door for you to feel safe enough to actually reveal it to me. So, but you're right. That can't happen without a a relationship. Well, it's it's, you're opening up the gate for sharing rather than just saying, Hey, I see this. But again you have to be really close to someone to even observe that. So oh, that's yeah. where the Yeah, if you're the just doing that lies. to everyone that you see at church, like, please don't do that. But, yeah, that's right. but, if, <laughs> if, you, but if you do have a, somewhat of a relationship, I mean, yeah. even again, going to this passage, the next verse says, let each of you not only look to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Mm-hmm. And so as a community, we have to be able to say like, I care about my marriage. I want to work on my marriage, but I recognize there may be some things that I need to to help you with. And not as a, I'm better than, not in a pride way, but again, asking questions. Hey, can I come alongside you? Especially when you, like Katie and I have been married 10 years. And so when we see couples that have been married two, three, four years, they're starting to have kids. Like we we remember that. And so for us, it's like, well, how can we, have a relationship with those people uh, to to help them, and mm-hmm. who do we have on the other end that's lo- like helping us? Um, I think that's super now, important. This is really good. We're talking about this because as much as that's important for us as leaders in the church to uh, to um, exemplify, yeah, this is important for people to understand. This is needed mm-hmm. in their life, and yeah. so mm-hmm. if you are newly married, yes. one of the best things you can do for your marriage, even if it's a healthy marriage, is to seek out an older couple yeah. and ask them to just sit with you. Maybe you take, or maybe the husband takes out the guy and the wife takes out the woman and, and just say, can, let's just talk and get to know each other. And inevitably in those situations, those coffee Mm -hmm. dates, uh, marriage conversation will come up. Um, and so I I think it's really good advice. So I, 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 I want to flip that a little bit on his head because I think there's differences between men and women specifically about that. I remember talking to my wife, she was going to therapy and she's like, yeah, every time I talk about our marriage and I'm like, is there something wrong? Like I was like, I was like, there's something wrong. And then I was like, I think I've talked about our marriage once in like five years mm-hmm. in like counseling. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, like, like maybe I'm oblivious. I don't know. Is there yeah. something I just missed? I, I think, I think an openness to speak on what we're discussing and the humility that it takes to do that. You have to start with the character trait. It has to be your heart. Mm-hmm. 
And I think sometimes just behaviors are not going to get you there. So everything we've discussed really, some of that's behaviors, but you have to change your heart first to be like, okay, I'm open to this. If I talk with someone older and I'm going to actually listen to what they have to say, Mm. I'm going to weigh it with the Holy Spirit and pray about it. And then I'm going to act on it. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's some, some lines there, but, uh, so Eric, we haven't even started talking about submission really. I mean, kind of, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but, uh, you mentioned something Sunday that I think, um, if someone didn't watch it, they need to go watch a sermon when you smash the cup and you described like as a husband, you can increase your wife's countenance or you can decrease it. Um, I think that probably was the most pivotal moment in describing it because, what we've already said is, you know, marriages, you can see on people's faces and what that looks like. What would you say to a, a man that goes, I, I think I'm the hammer right now. Hmm. How do I not be the hammer? I don't know how not to be the hammer. Everything I, I feel like everything I'm doing is not working. I'm trying to help my wife. I'm trying to encourage my wife. And it just, I'm falling flat on my face. Hmm. Now, well, the, the first thing is, is to first acknowledge that and, and maybe it's worth a conversation to say, um, I, I, I realize that I've been trying to help you, but I see how it's actually hurting you. And so I know my personality can be a hammer sometimes. And I know that there's two things you can do with a hammer. Mm-hmm. You can either destroy something or you can build something. And in all honesty, I've been wanting to build you, but I feel like it's just been hurting you. And so ask your wife the question, yeah. uh, what can I do differently that you think would help build you up and not tear you down. Am I saying things the wrong way? And maybe I'm Mm -hmm. just not even aware of it, but maybe when I say things that I think is encouraging you, it's coming across as domineering or insensitive. And so tell me where I'm being hurtful so that I can change my method, not my intention, but my method and start to build you up. Um, That's a hard question because I, I, I know most men I've talked with in my life would say, I can do that. And then when you watch them practice it or I've observed it, it's, it's a moment where you get defensive. So how do you overcome that? I mean, that's the humility maybe we were discussing, but like my wife says I need to talk this way and I don't really talk softly like this. You know, like, like things that maybe we don't notice, but we really need to respect mm. and, and encourage our wives with. So yeah, how do we overcome that? I'm not defenses? asking the husband to become passive. Yeah. I'm asking the husband to become even stronger. Yeah even more of a leader. And the way you do that is by acknowledging the way you're coming across and then agreeing with, all right, here's how I can use my strength as a hammer um, and help build. (laughs) I mean, another analogy is a bulldozer. Some of us have a bulldozer personality. And what you can do with a bulldozer is either plow over your spouse or you can pave the way for your spouse. Um, And I think you just have to acknowledge it and then humble yourself, not become Mm -hmm. passive, but humble yourself Mm -hmm. to adjust course so that you become helpful. Yeah, I would say like embrace the awkward, like for men, that's a really awkward conversation to, mm-hmm. uh, to say that you recognize weakness in yourself because we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to have it all together. Um, but I think, you know, even em- embracing, not excusing, but, but when you have that conversation saying, I recognize I'm coming on a little strong, I'm crushing you. I don't want, like, that's not my intention. Um, help me understand more how I can build you up but also I think it's important in that to know that you're not going to do it perfectly every time. So I think what happens is a lot of times men will say, okay, I know I'm screwing up. I'm going to say, okay, wife, how do you want me to fix it? She's going to give me the list of three things and I'm going to do it. The day I don't do it, now I'm 
overcome with shame and guilt. And maybe, you know, that's on part of the spouse to give grace, but have those conversations. Like, yes, I hear what you're saying. I I know you want me to approach you in these three ways and we can agree on this, but I'm like, I'm not perfect. So there are going to be days that I mess up and I just need you to give me grace as long as you're showing improvement. Yeah, this Again, is not it's a, not an yeah. excuse to, it's right. not an excuse to be like, oh, uh, yeah, didn't do it. Give me oh, yeah. grace. This is not That's a time not what for a is. wife to shame their husband. Right. If, if the husband feels shamed or disrespected or um, criticized, yeah. they may shut down forever yeah. and never be that vulnerable again. Right. And so don't say things like, oh, I'm so glad you're finally growing up. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Or when, shut down. Or when there is a slip up, like one of the things that, Katie and I were always encouraged. I'm gonna. That's funny. Always encouraged with was don't ever say always. Like yeah. you always. Always or never is. Yeah, the, you yeah, always do this absolutes. or you never do this. Right. Um, especially in those moments when you are trying to to be more present or you are trying to be whatever those things are. It's important that like the words that you say do matter in those mm-hmm. situations, and you just kind of have to embrace the awkward of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so society talks to us a lot about. Uh, mental health. And I think we focus on that in the church sometimes. How much of effect, this is an aside to the question that we just talked about. How much effect do you think husbands can have on their wives when it comes to their mental health and encourage, like to be able to be an encourager to them? I I personally think it's the first person that comes as an encourager, you know, a husband to a wife or a wife to a husband. Um, Because I know like the moment I walk in the office, and if things aren't all right at home, my mind's still at home. My mind's not on anything that's right in front of me. And so how do I clear, how do, how do you work on that and realize that that the mutual submission, the mutual humil- humility that we can have for each other really can lead to greater mental health, greater like greater opportunities, and we can work through things together as a unit. Well, you got to first understand the way that your spouse works. Okay. Um, I can say very, very nice things to my wife and she'll appreciate those things. Mm-hmm. She loves encouragement like the rest of, yeah. of us. But if I, don't, if I don't do acts of service for her, <laughs> yeah, I, we're yeah. both laughing. I, I know what you're talking oh, about. Yeah, yeah. Then, then words tend to fall yeah. short. Mm-hmm. So the best way for me to encourage my wife and to show that mutual submission is not just my words, but my actions. Yeah. Uh, does she see that I'm trying to take care of her? And, and that's the same way with me. I mean, she can say all the nice things that she wants to about my sermon, but if she's not, like when I preach on Sundays, but if she's not throughout the week doing generous things for me, then sometimes I'm wondering, was she just saying that because she's supposed to, or does she really respect me? Does she really want to honor me? So I think your words and your actions have to, to come together. Yeah. Um, and you have to understand the way your wife works. If she's, if she's really, really upset in the moment, don't bring a heavy conversation to her. Um, know, the, know the emotional temperature in the room. Know you your know, right? spouse's emotional temperature, absolutely. Yeah. So, so as you say that, Eric, I think that that is a... Aside, like we have love languages. It's yep. copyrighted, so I'm just gonna call it love languages, whatever. You know, <laughs> we don't have the book to show off, right? Yeah, now. we're not showing off the book. Buy but, it on Amazon. You'll but I think I think knowing the way your spouse functions and receives love is very important. Sometimes I know we love others the way we want to be loved, yeah. and that's where you know marriages tend to yep. get friction. Um, I'll tell you. My wife, I think currently is acts of service, but when we got married, it was quality time. And so she's like shifted and I'm like, what is going on? I'm trying hey, to figure out. You just got to keep up. I know. I'm like, I'm like, which love language do you have? Because yeah, I'm trying yeah. to find the right one. And I think, I think some of the 
things we've discussed today, and this might be a, a good way to kind of close our time, is is we've discussed um, things that are really important mm-hmm. and are things that are like things that we struggle with, like on a daily basis. We could be married for 50 years and still not understand our wives. Mm-hmm. And so you, you talked about that at the end of your sermon, you talked about that the men's prayers would be hindered. Yeah. And so can we get a little deeper into that? Because I feel like there, there's a struggle. When I read that, I go, am I just doing one thing wrong towards my wife? Wrong in the sense that she receives it as wrong. Mm-hmm. Am I not going to be able to pray? Is God just going to be like, yeah, I'm not listening to this dude. Um, or is it going to lead to greater discovery in marriage, like about our spouse? So I, I read all that and it doesn't say anywhere that women's prayers will be hindered. It doesn't say wives' prayers will be hindered. It doesn't say anyone else's prayers will be hindered. No, I think, it's, I think that's because the husband is given the unique privilege and responsibility of caring and leading the entire family. And so while I said before, as the marriage goes, so goes the family. As the husband goes, so goes the marriage. Um, and that's why, that's why ministry should be catered to the family. But if a ministry can reach the husband, there's a far higher chance that the rest of the family will be reached. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. the statistics. Like if the wife is reached, then there is what a 15 to 20% chance that the husband and the family will come along. But if the husband is reached, then it's like 80% that the mm-hmm. wife and the kids will be reached as mm-hmm. well. And so the husband has significantly more responsibility in the eyes of God for the family than the wife does. And so if, if it was not for Jesus serving us, then we would not have salvation regardless of how much we wanted it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's really, really critical. And I don't think it's a matter of a couple of instances where I'd said something wrong to Heather or I was mean to her. Mm. I think what God is looking for is the state of the heart. Mm-hmm. Do I cherish my wife? Mm. Um, do I see her as sacred, as a gift from God? And if I do, then the majority of my actions, given that I'm a sinful, broken person, will be for her benefit. Mm-hmm. But if the state of my heart and mind towards her is not godly, mm. then it's almost like God is saying, you know, you keep praying for blessing. You keep praying for answers. I answered one of the greatest prayers that a man can ask, and that is to give him a helper in your wife. Mm-hmm. And look at what you have done in your heart with the greatest gift that I can give you. And so why would I continue to give you more blessing and more favor and more gifts if the greatest gift that I can give you outside of your salvation mm-hmm. is not well cared for? Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't think it's, it's God saying, I'm gonna punish you because you did something mean to your wife. Mm-hmm. I think it's, he's training us through his, preventing of other prayers um, to value the prayer he already answered in giving us our wives. That so, makes sense. So, that makes sense. So, yeah. and there's nuances to that because oh, I think sure. sometimes we pray for things like, God, change my wife. Please change my wife. Make her da 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 I'm just saying like in a, a foolish sense, like I know I've met with people that that's how they talk about their spouse. Yeah. Like I want them to change. And I think in some ways, God, when he hinders our prayers, it's helping us realize what we already have. Yeah, I hear you. Like, yeah. I do have a question about the hammer. Maybe this is where we can kind of end it. But so I know that there are several women who feel like as a result of their broken marriage, maybe they're divorced now, um, that they're no longer a whole cup. They have been smashed. And now they look at their life and say, you know what? All I see is a vestige of who I used to be. Mm -hmm. But now I am sharp Mm. and I'm edgy and I'm broken. And so here's the question that I don't know if we can give a full answer, but how do we begin to encourage those women, especially 
to begin to become whole again by focusing exclusively on the love of Jesus over them? How does Jesus begin to put them back together? I mean, I have an illustration, but it doesn't get into the practical. So I'll go to the practical afterwards. But um, I think both of you have seen this type of pottery in Japan. Yeah. They shatter yeah. it. You knew I was going to say yeah, it because I've talked to you about it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so say, say, so, so, yeah, say it again. Spell it so they, they can look it up. I think it's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Spell, spelling a transliteration of J- Japanese. Yes, That's great. Kintsugi. It's, it's, it's pottery put together with gold. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. like all the shattered pieces that you had on stage on Sunday, we could have taken those and put gold in all the, uh, all the pieces to make the cup again. And I think, I think that's a picture, but it's not complete because the person putting the gold back in is, is essentially the artist. And if we were calling God the artist, there's not a specific do these five steps to get there. Yeah. I feel like what, what happens many times is because we do feel broken, we feel sharp. Mm. We don't realize that that's a time not to lean away from people. It's to lean into people. Um, and specifically, especially if you have a, a broken relationship and you're like, I don't know what to do next. I really want to be in relationship mm. and you're willing to sacrifice things that you wouldn't have sacrificed before for that relationship. That's a sign that maybe that's not a good thing, but the good thing is to be able to lean into people that are giving godly advice. Like the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever seen happen. There was someone I know that got divorced uh, after two years of marriage. Mm. And after that, they sat down with a couple older couples that are married and it wasn't painful for them. It was like, okay, so what do I not have that they have? Mm. They were looking at that and saying, okay, what is God tell, telling me through them? And I think that's, that's, could be potentially an opportunity for some healing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of it is people that have gone through similar experiences, it tends to be an echo chamber. And so in any experience, if you're married, like I remember when I first got married and all of a sudden I didn't hang out with my single friends as much, right? And then you start having kids and you don't hang out with certain people that are just married. You know, like it's like life stage stuff. I think one of the destructive things about people that have gotten divorced and they're struggling is there's really not, it's like, it's like, you feel like you're going back. You're like, what do I do now? Especially if you've been married, say 20 years. And so I think that's where the, the struggle is because you do have things vested in that. And so how do you become unbroken? And really that's over time. And that is through Jesus. You mentioned Jesus, cause it's not a relationship that's gonna heal you. Yeah, there's no man that can put you back together. Yeah, so. Which is why it's dangerous to say, you know, I'm divorced. I'm, I'm gonna go get another man right now. The problem is you're gonna go into a marriage already broken. And so I, I really love that image. I wish I would have, thanks for telling me about that before I preached it. I even you know? have a Kintsugi ornament that Katie made. An ornament? Yeah. Should have brought, <laughs> exactly. brought So I'm hoping that Christmas. the image that, that women who feel like they're broken right now will have is not of the, the broken cup. It's of this kintsugi piece of pottery. Yep, yep. Um, and that, that, is the, that is how they see themselves in Jesus Christ. So um, good conversation today, yeah. fellas. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, thank you for uh, watching Church Unscripted this week. We had a great discussion and we're going to continue discussing this. The series has got how many more weeks, Eric? Two more weeks. Two more weeks. Um, we're excited about that. And then we'll start a new series. But if you have not yet um, subscribed on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform, please do that. Hit the notification bell. Comments below if you have something that you'd like us to discuss at the next Church Unscripted. And we'll see you next week.